And today we're going to be in Jeremiah chapter 5. Open our Bibles there. So I'm hoping as we go through the prophets in the Bible that you guys will begin to more or less categorize them and you kind of know where they fit in. You know, the book of Isaiah is an amazing uh, prophetic book, uh, 66 chapters, just like the 66 books of the Bible. Um, but the book of Isaiah is a lot about Christ. It's just saturated with prophecies of Jesus, which, by the way, we're going to get to. Um, I, I forgot to mention to you. So the next uh, few services, we're going to do Christmas services. We want to start preparing our hearts for that day. And so if you're interested, uh, I was thinking maybe on um, Wednesday nights we can have cookies and, and cocoa, you know. And so some of you guys make some amazing cookies. And so I'm hoping that you'll sign up for that. But um, Isaiah is called, a lot of people call it the gospel of Isaiah because so much of it is about Jesus. But the prophet Isaiah writes primarily to uh, the northern kingdom of Israel. And he's there in that time frame and he's warning them. But as you guys study, we went through it, right? We know that it wasn't just the northern kingdom, it was also southern kingdom but it's primarily the northern kingdom and primarily Assyria. So it's just good for you to know that. You guys got to know Isaiah. And then you have to know Jeremiah. Now, Jeremiah was known as the weeping prophet. And he prophesied, some say 50 years, maybe even 60 years, without a single convert. Think about that, man. You're an anointed prophet of God. You have a book that you wrote. It's in the Bible. And you ministered faithfully for maybe close to 60 years and no one got saved. And that just goes to show you the spiritual condition of the nation that he was ministering to. He started off probably when he was about 17 years old. Think about that. You know, a lot of times people when they're young, you know, 15, 16, 17, they kind of have this mentality that says, well, I don't have to really be a godly, you know, individual. That's for the, the old people, you know, and right now I'm just going to have fun. And and uh, you start reading the Bible and you read about people like Daniel and, and Mary and, and Joseph and others like uh, um, uh, uh, Jeremiah. And you find out that, you know what, God can capture your heart at a young age. And so Jeremiah ministered primarily to the southern kingdom of Judah. Now, you guys know they were divided in two, right? Uh, after the the reign of us, uh, you had Saul, you had um, David, you had Solomon. After Solomon's reign, the kingdom was divided into two. Uh, Jeroboam took the northern kingdom. Rehoboam took the southern kingdom. And so, it's just good to know these things. In 722 BC, the Assyrians carried the northern kingdom away captive. And then in 586 BC, after three sieges. The Babylonians carried the southern kingdom captive. You guys know all that stuff, right? Because one day, if someone comes up to you and they ask you those questions and you don't know it, don't tell them you used to go to Kari Chapel Amani, okay? Because, I mean, these are things that we're telling you because believe it or not, you have to know this. It's like this grid in the Bible. As you begin, as things begin to fall into place, then you know, okay, Jeremiah, the southern kingdom primarily... And he was there, and check this out. He warned them for 40 years. For 40 years. Now, what if you had a pastor, or you had somebody who warned you for 40 years, Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. 
judgment is coming. You know, the, the whatever, Russia is going to invade our, our country, whatever. I don't know, warnings like that for 40 years. And you're like, ah, that's not really happening. They've been talking about that for a long time. But then the day comes when it happens. And that's why, you guys, reading the book of Jeremiah, it, it, I've got to be honest, man, it's hard because we're going to be talking a lot about judgment. But what it does is if your heart is open, and I don't know if your heart's open, I mean, if, you're not, if your heart's not open, why are you here? Why are you here? I mean, are you here to seek God or not? You know, don't come with a half heart and don't expect God to meet you if your heart is not open. There is a living God who loves you and died for you. But listen, if your heart is open and you're listening to the warnings that come, like for example, today in the book of Jeremiah, your life will be changed. But if you're here and you're living in sexual sin, you're not going to go to heaven. You're not going to live. You're not going to get raptured. And you're well, yeah, you, Manny, you've been talking about, you know, the, the Lord's coming. You've been a pastor here for 20 years and it hasn't happened. But, but it's going to happen. And you want to know what's crazy is the Bible says that when the rapture comes, those who heard the truth, they knew the truth. The Bible says, and Paul, when Paul writing to the Thessalonians, that God's going to send them a strong delusion. Because some people think, well, it's okay, I'll just kind of live my life, I'll be getting drunk and high and having sexual sin and all that kind of stuff. And there's a lot of other sins too, right? But, but, but yeah, and then, you know, well, let's just say the rapture does come, then I'll get my life right. But understand, the Bible says God will send you a strong delusion because you had the opportunity and you chose not to get right with God. See, that's what's crazy, and that's why it's so important that we get right with God. Otherwise, we're going to let left behind, and we might lose everything. So it's important for us to take these warnings to heart, because as God writes these things, he writes them because he loves you. He loves you, and he is coming. He, he really is. You know, you read Ezekiel 36 and 37 and 38, and you see what happened, how God brought Israel back to the nation 1948, got Jerusalem again in 1967. You see what's going on in Russia right now, and you read about the Russian invasion of Israel in Ezekiel 38, and just it seems like everything's there. So none of us are perfect. I understand that, you guys. I know that. But are you living in repetitive sin? Unrepentant sin? Because if you are, understand that that's where God wants to, that's what God wants to deal with right now. That's what God wants to change. I mean, lately I got a, this is kind of a silly issue, but um, I, uh, I was diagnosed with high blood pressure, which is not a big deal. I know a lot of you guys have it. And my, my blood pressure went up to about 181. And so I was trying to get it down and just nothing was working, right? And I don't want to go on some crazy big old medication stuff. And so I just, I, you know what I had to do? I had to stop drinking coffee. That's horrible. Isn't it? For those of you guys who like coffee, I mean, it's horrible. But once I stopped drinking coffee, I was able to get my blood pressure down. And that's a big change. That's a big change for me. Maybe there's something in your life that's more important, obviously, that you need to stop. You need to stop it. Because if you continue doing it, and you've been warned about it, you're going to suffer the consequences. So that's why these things are so important for us. 
Let me read to you a quote. J.I. Packer said, Preaching appears in the Bible as a relaying of what God has said about himself and his doings and about men in relation to him, plus a pressing of his commands. Here's the list. Commands, promises, warnings, and assurances with a view, here it is, to winning the hearer or hearers to a positive response. See, we're reading the Bible. We're not just here like, check it off, I went to the midweek service or whatever. We're here so that something that in God's word tonight that will hit your heart and there'll be a positive response. See, there has to be some type of response, some type of change. That's what God wants when we read his word. And so let's start in Jeremiah chapter 5. I notice what we read in verse 1. It says, run to and fro through the streets of Jerusalem. See now and know and seek in her open places if, here it is, you can find a man, if there is anyone who executes judgment, who seeks the truth, and I will pardon her, speaking of Jerusalem. Any of you guys ever gone on a scavenger hunt? It's probably been a while. I remember I'd done a couple. It was fun. It was fun. We should probably do that with the youth. Anyways, you know, what God is sending Jeremiah on is kind of like a scavenger hunt, but in this case, just one man. Jeremiah was called to search the streets. Go down, man, Lower Azusa Road. Go down Tyler. Go down Peg. Go down Garvey. You know, go down a valley. Go search the streets and see if you can find one person who is just, and who is seeking the truth. And God says, if you can find a man, who's just one man, who's just and seeking the truth, then I will pardon Jerusalem. Imagine that. Now that's kind of crazy when you think about it. I mean, I don't know if you guys have ever heard of that Greek philosopher. I think it's pronounced Diogenes. Um, have you guys ever heard of him, Diogenes? He, he reportedly would carry a lamp through Athens, and this guy was a, a contemporary of Plato, and they criticized the um, the way that Plato, um, you know, interpreted Socrates. And he's a real guy. He was homeless, interesting individual. Um, but um, he would go around during the day, and he had a lamp, and he would go up to people, and he would hold it up close to them, and he would look at them, and they were like, "What are you doing?" And he said, "I'm looking for an honest man." I'm looking for an honest man. Is there really an honest man? An honest woman? Someone who's real? That, that's what the Lord told Jeremiah. Go and seek and see if you can find somebody who is just. Somebody who is not just just, but check this out. Seeking the truth. Really seeking the truth. Are we doing that? Am I doing that, guys? Seriously. I mean, are we really doing that? Is that the way we read our Bibles? I want to seek the truth. I want, I want to seek God with all my heart. Because, you know, Jeremiah 29 in verse 13, it says, if you do seek him, you'll find him. So that was the homework assignment for Jeremiah to go and see if you can find anyone like that. And if you do, I'll pardon the city it kind of reminds me also a little bit of the time when God came to Abraham and he sent the angels to 
uh, Sodom and Gomorrah, you might remember the three came and then the two angels went uh, to just check it out. But, but God let Abraham know what he was doing. And so the reason I think God let Abraham know, because he knew that Abraham would intercede for his nephew Lot and his family. And so Abraham, you know, you guys remember the story? Hey, Lord, um, you said that you're sending these angels to Sodom and Gomorrah because the outcry of their wickedness is great. And it sounds to me like you're about to judge Sodom and Gomorrah, but Lord, what if you found 50 people in there who were righteous? And the Lord said, well, if there were 50, I wouldn't judge it. Well, how about, you know, 40? Or how about, you know, 30? Or how about, he goes all the way down, you know, to 10. And God, if you found 10 people in Sodom and Gomorrah who were righteous, would you spare it? And God said, yes, I would spare it. You read that in Genesis chapter 18, verse 32. But what ended up happening is God, all he found was Lot. And Lot was barely righteous barely by the skin of his teeth and so god pulled him out his wife didn't make it two daughters came out and god destroyed the city but it kind of reminds me of that well if i can find somebody who's real there in jerusalem just one man who is just and honestly seeking god then i won't judge the city and so you know that's what happened then it makes me check my heart, you guys. You know, like it, where, wherever we're at in our life, you know, my prayer is that, that we would be just, that we would be fair, that we would be uh, not a respecter of persons, that we would uh, be seeking the truth uh, with this insatiable desire. You know, I, I trip out. The other day, someone said, oh, it's legalistic, Manny, that you're encouraging the people to read through their Bible a, a year, you know, each year. And, um, and someone had mentioned that someone had said that. And, uh, and I was just thinking, okay, I mean, it takes 72 hours to read your Bible. And that's not a lot, of, a lot of time. Now, in Psalm 1, the very first Psalm, it says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. I mean, when you read the scripture, Joshua chapter 1, verse 8, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you should meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that's written in it, for then your way will be prosperous, and then you'll have good success. It's, it's in the Word of God. And so, you know, for me to say, and then, you know, sometimes you're even in church and even in a Calvary chapel, I trip out. I was talking to someone the other day, and they were saying, my wife's not reading her Word. She's not reading her Word. And that breaks my heart. You know, we should be reading the Bible. You know, I mean, we have apps. You can listen to it. I mean, this is amazing to me. But, but, but all I know is this. Jeremiah was sent to find one person who was just, one person who was really seeking the truth. Unfortunately, he couldn't find anybody like that. Jeremiah's search of Jerusalem was, however, in vain. Because look what it says in verse 2 right here. It says, Though they say, as the Lord lives, Surely they swear falsely. They knew the lingo. As the Lord lives. As the Lord lives. 
I'll bet you guys know the lingo. If you've been coming to Calvary Chapel for a while, right? You know the lingo, right? I mean, we, 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 we more, more or less know those cliches, right? As the Lord lives, they said it, but they didn't believe it. They didn't live as if the Lord lives. Because you guys know this, right? If the Lord lives and sees everything, then that changes everything. That changes the way that I think. You know, that changes what goes on in my heart. Because I know the Lord lives and he sees everything, right? Oh, what a blessing, brother. What a blessing, brother. Hallelujah. Shambhala. We might even break out in tongues or something, you know. And I know hallelujah. Oh, I know what that means. That means praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. God bless you, bro. And, and you know, we might even know Bible verses. The Bible says this and the Bible says yet. Yeah. And yet that person who's saying the amen or saying that God bless you or saying, you know, what a blessing. They don't really know the Lord. You know, they're not really living for the Lord. You know, it's kind of like Jesus quoted Isaiah um, 29, 13. He, in Matthew 15, 8, he says, These people, they draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Let me ask you a question tonight, okay? You guys are here because God loves you, and some of you guys are doing great. But where, is your heart is your heart close to God? Are you there? Do you even want to be there? Why wouldn't you want to be there? Don't you understand He loves you? Don't you understand that God has a plan for your life, and so does the devil? You know how to speak it. We have all the Christian cliches. But where is your heart? Where is my heart? I have to examine my life too. You know, Jesus said it, and I believe it's still unfortunately common today that a lot of times people, they draw near with their lips, but in all honesty, their heart is far. And you might, whatever, you might have a good life. I don't know. Maybe you won't have a good life, but what, what's going to happen in the end? That what's going to happen when Jesus comes? Do you ever really think about that? At the end of this chapter, he brings that up. Look what he says in verse 3 here. He says, O Lord, are, are not your eyes on the truth? You have stricken them, but they have not grieved. You have consumed them, but they have refused to receive correction. They have made their faces harder than rock. They have refused to return. You know, in, in the Lord's love, you know, why do we give our kids a little spanking? You know, why do we, we do that? Because we love them, right? And so in God's love, he had stricken them. He says right here, he'd even consumed them. And sometimes you have to give them a, 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 a big, you know, spanking. And we're talking severe discipline that God had instituted, but they still didn't change. They still didn't change. And that's the whole point, guys. Manny, God is trying to make you a godly husband, a godly father, a godly son, a godly pastor, a godly friend. You have to look at all the different roles and responsibilities in your life, all the titles, because they're there with a task. And, and, you know, the Lord had been, you know, dealing with them. And sometimes the way that correction works, first of all, it starts with verbal correction, right? Usually that's the way it is with our kids too. 
You know, if they do something wrong and you tell them, don't do it, you know, it's a verbal correction or I'm going to give you a, a, you know, timeout or a spanking. And then, you know, eventually it gets worse. And I don't know how you guys do it at your house. You know, you might, you know, hit them in the, you know, where there's padding right there. Don't leave any marks or, or, or bruises or cuts or anything like that. That's not cool. But you want to give them a sting. Uh, sometimes you'll take away their video games, you know, stuff like that. It gets severe. Uh, if it gets really bad, you're grounded for life, that, that kind of thing, you know. Uh, so God had given them the, the discipline, but they didn't, they, they didn't change. You know, God is trying to make us more like his son. And so much of our life as a follower of the Lord is to turn and to return. Notice it says right here at the end of verse 3, they have made their faces harder than rock. They have refused to return. And you want to know something? I know a lot of people like that. They still haven't come back. And they might even come to church, but they still haven't returned to God. And so God is going to have to deal with them even more. Right here, Jeremiah thought to himself, okay, I'm looking out on the streets and I haven't found anybody wandering the streets that's really right on. you know. And so he thought, well, maybe it's different among the educated, among the sophisticated, among the leaders of the land. And so we read in verse 4, it says, therefore I said, surely these are poor. They are foolish, for they do not know the way of the Lord, the judgment of their God. I will go to the great men and speak to them, for they have known the way of the Lord, the judgment of their God. But these have altogether broken the yoke and burst the bonds. You know, Jeremiah kind of says, well, maybe it's because these street people are, are not educated I mean, in all reality, a lot of them didn't know how to read, and so maybe he needed to go to the leaders who were, who were readers, and they would know God's requirements, right? God's divine demands. Uh, and so he, he goes to them, but Jeremiah, in, in one sense, he found that he went to the leaders that it was actually worse. It, it was actually worse. He says there, but, but these have altogether broken the yoke and burst the bonds. And so you guys know what a yoke is. I think we have a picture of a couple of oxen that are, are, are they have the yoke on them. And so the, the yoke was how the, 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 you know, the, the farmer would be able to plow his ground and he had the yoke on these ox and they would go and they would carry it. And so in one sense, you know, Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30, you know, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm, I'm gentle and lowly in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And so there is a yoke. You know, there is a little something that God asks us to do in life. You know, and I don't know if you guys have ever thought about it. Well, what is it that God wants me to do? It's a yoke. But what these guys did is they broke the yoke. They said, oh, no, no, this is my life. This is my life. You're not going to tell me what to do, God. And that's what these leaders did. Kind of like Frank Sinatra, I did it my way, that type of thing, right? And, and not only did they, they break the yoke, but they, they, they broke the bonds. They burst the bonds. They had absolutely no, there was absolutely no sliver 
of yielding to the lordship of God. And let me tell you guys, man, that's, that's going to that's gonna bring a, a big judgment. All of them, the NET said, have rejected his authority and refused to submit to him. It, it was worse among the leaders because they knew God's law. And so Jeremiah just tells them that the judgment is determined. Look at verse 6. Therefore, he says, a lion from the forest shall slay them. A wolf of the deserts shall destroy them. A leopard will watch over their cities. Everyone who goes out from there shall be torn in pieces because their transgressions are many and their backslidings have increased. And, and you know, he talks about the lion and the wolf and, and the leopard. And, you know, some commentators believe, well, maybe this is in reference to different countries that will conquer uh, the Jews, like the Babylonians and the Persians and the Greeks and the Syrians and then the Romans. Um, but others say, well, no, it's probably just in reference to the way that and history attributes this. History testifies to the fact that when the Jews were carried away into Babylon, that the cities were then uh, not, they were uninhabited by uh, men and therefore they were overrun by, by animals. E either way, all we're saying right here is God says the judgment is going to come, and he tells us why why such judgment. There at the end of verse 6, notice, because their transgressions are many and their backslidings have increased. And I, like I share with you guys, and I because and I, I pray that our church is a healthy church, that we're not weird, that that we all fall short. We all sin. Don't get me wrong. Okay, I'm not talking about perfectionism. But I'm talking about insistent, consistent, persistent, resistant sin. And you don't want to change. See, that's what he's talking about. Because their transgressions are many, their backslidings have increased, God says that I'm going to have to bring this type of judgment. You know, and, and one of the things that just breaks your heart is this. The way that backsliding parents affect their children. Or even the way that I think backsliding, if I were to backslide, imagine how that would have an effect on people. If you were to backslide, who would that affect? Who might that make, might make them stumble? Look at verse 7. He says, how shall I pardon you for this? Your children have forsaken me and sworn by those that are not gods. When I had fed them to the full, then they committed adultery and assembled themselves by troops in the harlots' houses. They were like well-fed, lusty stallions, everyone neighed after his neighbor's wife. Shall I not punish them for these things, says the Lord? And shall I not avenge myself on such a nation as this? And, and the Lord here, he's definitely grieved because they had backslidden and what it did to their children. It says, your children have forsaken me, God said, and sworn by those that are not gods. And so, uh, you guys, let, let's, uh, let's, let's just have this revival in our hearts. Let's, let's catch fire. God. Men, women here. Let's do that. You know, 
And especially parents, if you're out there and maybe you're watching online and you haven't made it your way, your way back to church yet, man, you're not letting your kids go to church? What are you doing to your children? All those backslidden parents out there that haven't come back to church? Why not? And a lot of them over the years. What in the world is that doing to your children? You know, that's one of the things that I, I tell people, man, you got to be in church every Sunday, at least every Sunday, because the, the way that the world is going right now, um, it's crazy what I see. The trend is uh, they say that every Sunday, 36% of the church is not there. And so what kind of a message does that send to your kids? What's that, what kind of a message does that send to your friends? Well, Sunday is really not that important. Well, Sunday is when you go see God. Sunday is when you go serve God. But, but here, what we see is that these parents had backslid and now their kids, they're, they're bowing down to other gods, what, the way that affects the children. You know, Jesus had issued a very heavy warning. Remember what the Lord said in Mark 9.42? But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to stumble, it would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea. Now, a lot of times we think, well, that has to do with, you know, child molestation or something like that. And yeah, believe you me, it does. It does. But the context here, and it might even be new believers, believe it or not, but it also includes children who are just growing in their faith. If we're the cause of them stumbling, Jesus said, then there's a heavy warning for that individual. So what that makes, what that's supposed to do not to condemn anybody here, but what that's supposed to do is strike a healthy fear inside of us. I don't want to be the cause of anyone stumbling, especially my children. Well, how, how can you fix that? Get right with God. Get right with God. That's how we have to do it. When did Judah backslide? It's interesting how he says right here, they did that when I had fed them to the full. When they were blessed by God, fed to the full. And it's sad because the Lord is the one that gave them that. You know, the Lord is the one, every good thing comes down from our Father. He's the one who gives us anything that's good. Why is it that sometimes when people get blessed, they forget God? You know, I guess when you get it all, fame, fortune, fun, friends, whatever it is, when everything's going hunky-dory, it's really easy to go wayward. You know, I was thinking about this. Um, sometimes those trials, man, it's, it's healthy. You know, I was thinking about um, when we're driving and the road is just a simple road, it's a straight road, it's a smooth road, it's a lot easier to fall asleep, huh? You guys ever fall asleep when you're driving? I'm just curious. <laughs> That's what happened to Judah. As a matter of fact, they started sleeping with the religious harlots of other religions. And they were named after their neighbor's wife. Now, I remember talking to one bro, and, and he was telling me about his life prior you know, to you know, coming back to Christ. And even in the world, it's crazy. It's so sad. You know, you, whatever, you're, you're, you, know, you, you, have, you commit fornication with somebody who's not married. I mean, it's, it's bad. But, but when the person's married, even in the world, they know that's wrong. But it happens in the church. Think about that neighing after their 
neighbor's wife. And God right here is, Jeremiah is telling him, hey guys, this is what's going on in, in, in Jerusalem and this is why judgment is coming and you guys know this, we don't have to have a degree in, in, in theology to know this. This is what's going on in our nation and this is why judgment is coming. But there's a lot of solid Christians. There are some solid Christians. I see a couple of you guys here tonight. There's some solid Christians. And so the rapture, the rapture makes perfect sense. How God will take out those that love him and God will unleash the deserved judgment on this world. And so we see this. Um, God is saying, I'm going to judge Judah. But... We always see this as well as you guys are going to the prophets. Look at verse 10. It says, go up on our walls and destroy, but do not make a complete end. Take away her branches, for they are not the Lord's. Or as one translation says, strip the branches from the vine, for these people do not belong to the Lord. And so, again, that's why Israel's still around. That's why. It's because of the fact that God had made a covenant with them, through them, the scriptures would come, through them, the Messiah would come. God would prove himself uh, through prophecy, through the nation of Israel. And so he's going to judge them. It's going to be severe, but he won't destroy. So discipline, but not destroy. And again, you ask why? Look at verse 11. For the house of Israel and the house of Judah have dealt very treacherously with me, says the Lord. They have lied about the Lord and said, It is not he, neither will evil come upon us, nor shall we see sword or famine, and the prophets become wind, for the word is not in them. Thus shall it be done to them. And so it's interesting how verse 11 says, The house of Israel and of Judah have dealt very treacherously with me. And so you wonder, well, what could that be? And, and basically, the way what, what that had happened is the men who were supposed to speak the truth had lied. They even lied about the Lord, saying, oh, God has not spoken to Jeremiah. God has not spoken through Jeremiah. It's not God. That's not how God is. We won't see the judgment of God. No sword is on the horizon. No famine is in our future. And these so-called prophets... The Bible says here, we're just a bunch of wind. How tragic to read that, that the word, God's word, was not in their hearts or in their mouths of these so-called prophets. They would be judged even more. And there are plenty of those types of pastors and preachers and teachers around today. You know, maybe um, a lot of times it's kind of funny how church works. Sometimes you get Someone, you know, they sit through the study, but when they leave, they're like, man, that was horrible. I mean, all that guy talked about was like sin and judgment. And, and so I want to tell you guys this, first of all, I, I've, I'm in Jeremiah chapter five. Okay. So that's what I got to teach. One of the things about Calvary Chapel that's so beautiful is you just teach through the Bible. That way you don't get to pick and choose. Oh, let me tell you guys about the good life today, you know, the easy life, you know, how you're a champion, you know. Yeah, you are, but, you know, it's, it's different. You know, one of the things that we find is that um, it, it's needed. 
it's needed. I mean, sometimes you have a coach and they're like, they don't even push you at all. And that, that, that sportsman, that, that team, not going to do too good because the coach never disciplined them. So the cool thing about it is that the Word of God has a lot of warnings, a lot of these things. And in the world today, there's a lot of pastors, a lot of preachers, a lot of guys that do not share these things. They don't share the warnings. They don't share the Word of God. Now, sometimes the reason why someone like Joel Osteen um, it doesn't teach about sin, doesn't teach about repentance, doesn't teach about the lake of fire, is because maybe, I don't know for sure, but maybe it's because he wants to keep the 40,000 people that are coming to that church every Sunday. Maybe that's why. And if I offend somebody, then they might not come back. Well, let me tell you something. One day, Joel Osteen is going to stand before Jesus Christ. And he's going to ask him, why didn't you teach my word? There's a lot of prophets that you want to go and you want to have a, a message that makes you feel comfortable, makes you feel good. There's a lot of people out there that do that. But not people who teach through the Bible. Because if you teach through the Bible, then you have to go through the hard ones and the good ones and everything in between. You know, I was reading this one thing about um, someone who wrote about how God is love. And this is what this individual said. They said, the divine is free of judgment. The statement, God is love, reiterates this. Of course, there will be no smiting. There is no judgment. Do not conceptualize the divine as if he or she were human. It is only us who think like this. And this is an individual who's quoted by many and many others who think that God is love and therefore God will never discipline, God will never judge. And, and my, my question is, where did you discover such a God? Because that's not what the God of the Bible is. That's not what Jesus Christ revealed. He was nailed to a cross because that's how God feels about sin. And so for us, you know, right here, Jeremiah, is, is he's got these guys that are telling lies. And, and so they never speak of holiness. They never speak of repentance. Why? Because they probably don't want to lose contributors in their kingdom, and maybe they have uh, improper theology. Uh, all I know is this, that God has what's called a loving discipline because he wants the best for us, and so he will discipline us, and God has a just judgment, and one day when people are judged, it will be completely, impeccably fair. And so these prophets were theologically off. And, and so God speaks in verse 14. Uh, there, notice what it says. Therefore, thus says the Lord God of hosts, because you speak this word, behold, I will make my words in your mouth. Now he's speaking to Jeremiah, fire. And this people would, and it shall devour them. Now in Revelation chapter 11, uh, it's interesting how um, the Bible talks about these two prophets and when they speak, fire comes out. And so I don't know if it's literal. I hope so, kind of. I think that'd be kind of interesting in the context there in the book of Revelation where no one, they were celebrating, you know, that the, the wrong things. And so, um, but here, um, it's more along the lines of Jeremiah, you're going to speak 
and it's going to burn them up. They're, they're going to be judged. And, and yeah, sure enough, Jeremiah, there's a time where he says, hey, you're going to die. And the guy died. You know, so um, these guys were liars. Jeremiah was truly sent by the Lord. And who knows? Maybe, maybe the reason why they didn't take Jeremiah's message seriously is because he was young. You know, he's only 17 years old. But you guys know, huh? It doesn't matter old or young, right? As long as we got God's word. And so verse 15 says, Behold, I will bring a nation against you from afar, O house of Israel, says the Lord. It is a mighty nation. It is an ancient nation. A nation whose language you do not know, nor can you understand what they say. Their quiver is like an open tomb. They are all mighty men. And they shall eat up your harvest and your bread, which your sons and your daughters should eat. They shall eat up your flocks and your herds. They shall eat up your vines and your fig trees. They shall destroy your fortified cities in which you trust with the sword. And so, again, God, just super simple. He's just making it clear. If you look at a timeline of the ministry of Jeremiah, you would find that he prophesied for 40 years before that final judgment came in 586 B.C. And, uh, and then all this happened. This ancient nation of Babylon came and they just they stripped them, man. They, they conquered God's people. And it's kind of tragic even to read. We read there in verse 15 where he says, Behold, I will bring. <laughs> I mean, this is not, this is the Lord uh, doing this uh, more than just allowing it. God is really just brokenhearted with his people. Wait a minute, you're my daughter. Why, why don't you read the Bible? You're my son. Why don't you pray? You're my child. Why, why have you forsaken the assembly? You know, God, seeing all these things that are happening right here, them not wanting to get right, eventually the day comes where God says, okay, you, you, I, you've left me no other option. You know, here's a, a mighty nation, of, an ancient nation, a foreign nation, and it says right there that the arrows of their quiver would basically send them to their tombs and their graves. Other mighty men. Uh, God says, they're going to devour your flock, your food, your vines, all that's valuable to you. You know, Jerusalem had trusted in their fortified cities and their false prophets. And God said, all that is going to be taken away. And it's a lesson for us all. You know, you guys, just to ask myself, Lord, um, where is my trust? Is it really, truly, totally in you? Um, Lord, um, am I, have you been warning me? You know, one of the cool things that um, we have as Christians is we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. And he is so beautiful in that he is the one that convicts us of our sins and he warns us. He says, hey, Manny, if you don't change that, and he puts his finger on it, if you don't change that, then, you know, you're, you're, you're asking for it, you know? And so for us right here, God is just saying, this is me warning them. And I have to ask myself the same thing. Again, 
it's so clear. God reminds the people through Jeremiah that they would be uh, disciplined by Babylon, but again, not destroyed. Because look at verse 18. It says, Nevertheless, in those days, says the Lord, I will not make a complete end of you. And it will be when you say, well, why does the Lord our God do all these things to us? Then you shall answer them, just as you have forsaken me and served foreign gods in your land, so shall you serve aliens in a land that is not yours. And so, I don't know, do any of you parents here, do you guys ever um, discipline your children? I'm just curious. Do you ever discipline them? Okay. All the moms are raising their hands. I'm just joking. The dads too. You know, one of the things that you should probably learn from the Lord is he's very creative in his discipline. It, it really fits the crime, and it really, what it does is it teaches them that specific lesson. You know, not, not that everything gets the same, you know, discipline. Um, in this case, they were worshiping foreign gods in their land, and God said, okay, you want to worship foreign gods? And this is what I'll do. I'll have you go to those lands of those gods and you'll serve the foreigners. And God will get really creative in the way that he disciplines us. Imagine how horrible it must have been, you guys. If you can just visualize it for a second. I mean, someone coming into your land and carrying you away to another land, to a foreign land, the chaos, the scandal. And they didn't just put you in handcuffs. You know, they put a hook in your in your mouth, and they cut off a limb or gouged out an eye. They killed your family right in front of you. Some lived, some died. I mean, imagine how horrible it, it must have been simply because they would not obey the Lord. And so verse 20 says, Declare this in the house of Jacob and proclaim it in Judah, saying, Hear this now, O foolish people without understanding, who have eyes and see not, who have ears and hear not. Do you not fear me, says the Lord? Will you not tremble, tremble at my presence, who have placed the sand as the bound of the sea by perpetual decree that it cannot pass beyond it. And though its waves toss to and fro, yet they cannot prevail. Though they roar, yet they cannot pass over it. You know, my wife and I, we've been Christians now for 33 years. 33 years. And by the grace of God, you know, God has kept us. But over the years, I've seen people die. I've seen people disciplined by God in ways that you can't even begin to imagine. They didn't just lose their ministry. They, in many ways, lost their life. And that's why, if you're here and you're playing in, with sin, God says, man, I don't get it. Don't you fear me? Don't you tremble at my word? Not the word of Manny, that guy right there. He ain't nothing. He's nothing. But the truth is real. It's everything. God is a God willing to give you 
uh, a new start today, man. Let me tell you, he's long-suffering, gracious, and he is kind. I mean, man, he will meet you there, right? But understand that he is also a God who disciplines those who refuse to repent. And that's what we're seeing here in the book of Jeremiah. I mean, these were people, uh, they would see, but they wouldn't really see. They were hearing, but they weren't really hearing. And that's why, you know, sometimes you'll, you'll, you know, you'll, you'll share a message and, and people don't even, they don't even know what I'm saying. They, they, they're sitting in these pews, they don't even know what I'm saying because they're deaf, spiritually speaking. And they can't see what's right in front of them, how God has this amazing life for them. But they're choosing not to follow God. Jeremiah was doing everything he could to try to communicate to people who were spiritually blind and deaf. I don't know if he was yelling. Maybe he was waving his hands. Hear this. I don't know. I know he uses the word Shema, which in the Hebrew, Shema, it means to listen and obey. Not just, you know, listen, not just go to the Bible study, not just say, I like the Bible study, not just teach the Bible study, but live the Bible study. Shema. That's what that word means. Listen and obey. He's all, don't you fear the Lord? And this is really the, the issue, you guys. Honestly, um, the Bible says that the, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Uh, do you guys fear God? Okay, do you have a healthy fear of God? Okay, so a healthy fear of God means um, not that he has like his, maybe, you know, his club and he's ready to beat you. Okay, like kind of like the, I don't know, those little things that pop up and you hit him like that. Okay, he's not, not like that. Not like that. He's a, you, the fear of God, a healthy fear of God, and you guys have to know this too if you go to Calvary Chapel Almighty, you have to know this, okay? That the healthy fear of God is a reverence of this awesome God who is able to, with all the oceans of the world, he's able to put these boundaries upon them so that they can't pass farther. I mean, just an awesome God. You you reverence him, and that awesome God who loves you, he loves you so much that if we choose to live in sin, he will discipline us. You read Hebrews chapter 12, and it talks about that. And so that's what the, the, fear, the fear of the Lord is so important. Psalm 36, 1, I read this the other day. It says, an oracle within my heart concerning the transgression of the wicked. There is no fear of God before his eyes. So you have every single legislator voting to kill babies. Why? How? There is no fear of God. You have these legislators voting against marriage that God instituted, saying it's okay, it can be like whoever. You know, and they have all these laws that they're passing. Why? How? It's because there is no their fear of God. There's a really cool psalm. If you don't have the fear of God, I would say it's because you have a divided heart. Psalm 86, 11, it says, Teach me your way, O Lord, I will walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. You can actually pray for your heart. And the one 
who made and maintains the universe, who tells the oceans where to stop, that's the one that we should fear. And so we read in verse 23, but this people, they have a defiant and rebellious heart. They have revolted and departed. They, they do not say in their heart, let us now fear the Lord our God who gives rain, both the former and the latter in its season. He reserves for us the appointed weeks of the harvest. This is heavy. This is such a heavy verse. Your iniquities have turned these things away and your sins have withheld good from you. And that's a heavy verse. You know, where God wanted to bless and because of the fact that they were living in sin, God couldn't bless. You know, there's a really cool Psalm, Psalm 8411. It says, For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly and i love that because god will bless your life you guys just as much as i'm saying here today that if you're living in sin god's going to discipline you just as much as i i'm saying that i'm also saying this that if you live sincerely justly seeking truth not perfect but proper with a heart to obey god will bless your life he really will that's what we read. And so in verse 26, he says, For among my people are found wicked men. They, they lie in wait as one who sets snares. They, they set a trap. They catch men. As a cage is full of birds, so their houses are full of deceit. Therefore, they have become great and grown rich. They have grown fat. They are sleek. Yes, they surpass the deeds of the wicked. They do not plead the cause, the cause of the fatherless, Yet they prosper, and the right of the needy they do not defend. God says, shall I not punish them for these things, says the Lord? Shall I not avenge myself on such a nation as this? An astonishing and horrible thing has been committed in the land. The prophets prophesy falsely, and the priests rule by their own power, and my people love to have it so. But what will you do in the end? And that's a heavy, heavy verse. God says, this is astonishing. This is horrible. These pastors are not teaching the word. They're not teaching the full counsel of God. Uh, they're telling lies. And these priests, they're leading under their own power, not under the power of the Holy Spirit. They're leading under their own power. And so this is what's happening in my nation, God says. And the worst thing of all, probably the worst thing of all, is my people. They love it. They love it. And what I would say is this. They love those kind of churches. They love those kind of pastors, preachers, people who tell them, oh, it's okay, you're, you're fine, don't worry, everything's going to work itself out. You know, God is love. And yeah, no, no reason that you have to kind of ruffle your feathers or get right or think about this. God is good. And, and when the Lord is saying, no. 
know. All of us, myself included, we really have to take a message like this to heart. You know, because he's warned us. And what does the Bible say? You guys know this, right? To whom much is given, much more is required.